Max Ehrman's poem, Desiderata, ends like this. And whatever your labors and aspirations, in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul with all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams. It is still a beautiful world. But the poem begins like this. Go placidly amid the noise and the haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even the dull and the ignorant. They too have their story. So, here is half a verse from our next chapter in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 1. Wisdom makes the face shine, and the hardness of one's countenance is changed. I learned a new phrase this summer that I think at least sometimes describes the times in which we find ourselves. And the phrase is, outrage fatigue. Thus, Ecclesiastes 8.1, wisdom makes one's face shine, and the hardness of one's countenance is changed. In Max Ehrman's little morsel of wisdom and whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. This is why admitting that the world behaves like a world is not being negative. It's actually liberating. It's telling the truth, truth like this. Jesus in John 8 told us, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then a few chapters later, the very last thing that Jesus says publicly to a group of people before He goes to the cross, again about a world that behaves like a world, is this. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now listen carefully. Jesus saying something like that is different than... Koheleth, the speaker in the book of Ecclesiastes. More from Ecclesiastes 8.14. And this, what I'm about to read from chapter 8, is a part of the bigger picture of wisdom in the Bible. And this is a word for us today. There is a vanity that takes place on earth that there are righteous people who are treated according to the conduct of the wicked. And there are wicked people who are treated according to the conduct of the righteous. I said that this also is meaningless. So in all the introduction so far, setting these things up and listening to it, 
that's the one where you should have had a reaction even if it was inside that went, uh-huh, uh-huh, see, I knew it. It's exactly how it feels. Because did you hear what he said? Bad things happen to good people, good things happen to bad people, bad people are them, good people are me. Well, what is this getting at? What is this really trying to grab? This, compared to what Jesus said, keeps raising questions just like much of the wisdom literature, that is Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. How much of wisdom literature in the Bible is book, chapter, verse, gospel, and how much of it is human perspective? That's the question that you don't have to ask it, but it's pretty good to ask when you go to these kinds of books. I think what a passage like this says is what we feel sometimes. It comes to God's hand in a world that seems so messed up sometimes, and it's an expression of our own dissonance. It's us trying to struggle with where is God in all of this? I just finished reading Kurt Vonnegut's The Sirens of Titan for the second time in my life, and I've got to admit that it was very different reading it in my 40s than reading it in my 20s. What struck me this time was the church at the end of the book. The church that they called the church of God, the utterly indifferent. Now in my 20s, I was offended. I thought Vonnegut shouldn't write something like that. But in my 40s, I think I understand. I think I understand the impulse even if I don't believe exactly what he's saying, I understand the impulse to say it, or at least to ask the question. I understand that this was just Vonnegut's way of asking the question that we all ask sometimes. Where is God in all of this? Because sometimes if you live long enough, sometimes you wonder where God is in all of this. But the question, the question itself is an act of faith. So remember last week when I started telling the story about a little girl eating a popsicle the day before her birthday party? And then I couldn't remember the connection I was about to make with the story. Well, that's what happens when you go off, off script in your speeches. You remember exactly what you want to say 10 minutes after you're finished. But this one's worth going back to. So you remember the lead-in from last week, how we got there. When we did the Proverbs that you finished from memory, including passages of Scripture that you know by heart, some of you actually are able to say back word for word. So it, I think last week's were too easy, so let's try harder ones. In the beginning, God... Okay. For we are all one. Ah, uh, See, you did tougher ones this week, but some of you still got it. And that's why I said last week after we did those, like, I love Church of Christ people. Even though, you know, sometimes I feel like I just keep going farther out to the edges of that world. It's like I look back and it's like, this is still really cool that you know these things. And if you don't know this stuff, like I said last week, stick around. This is a good place to hang out. 
But I was telling you about this little girl, and I walked up on her, and she was walking her dog. I was coming back from a walk, and she's walking along. It's 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, and she's eating a popsicle. I could see that. I was like, what are you eating? And she said, a popsicle. Tomorrow's my birthday party. And again, I was just like, okay, that, that's great. That's, that's a good enough reason I've ever heard to eat a popsicle. So then I remember the connection. So at her birthday party, at our pool in our townhome complex, her parents set up some stuff on the picnic table, balloons, party stuff. Everybody was there. So all of of her friends and their parents are gathered around the picnic table. Jen and I are floating in the pool, kind of watching it a little bit from a distance. And they start singing happy birthday. So you remember when you finished the verses of our little game last week and I said, I love you Church of Christ people? Well, when they were singing happy birthday, I muttered under my breath to Jen as the people sang to the little girl. These are obviously not Church of Christ people. (laughs) They're a little off key. But the little girl, as we were swimming, I got to talking to her as she jumped in the pool. She got a couple of books that she wanted for her birthday, and her friends were there, and onlookers at the pool, and a popsicle the day before. And then there's this one more from Ecclesiastes 8.15, an attempt to answer our question, where is God in all of this? So I commend enjoyment, for there is nothing better for people under the sun than to eat and drink and enjoy themselves. For this will go with them in their toil through the days of life that God gives them under the sun. I've said this in this series, and I've said this this summer, and I'm going to say it again. Why don't we read passages like this more that actually come out and say, those of you who follow God, those of us who confess Jesus as Lord, you know what life is about? Enjoy yourself. Have joy. Find ways to have fun. Because Piper, the little girl who just turned 10, jumping in the pool on an inflatable crocodile, she was having fun. She was having fun the day before, walking along, eating the popsicle. You know what happens? Life, it starts encouraging us at times as we get older. You don't have time to have fun or have fun tomorrow. You need to get work finished today and all the other stuff that goes with it. So I commend enjoyment. I love the new TV show, Ted Lasso, that started last year about an American football coach who goes to England to coach a professional soccer team, and he knows nothing about the sport. In the first episode, Coach Ted Lasso walks into the locker room of the new team he was about to start coaching. Before anyone got there, he took a deep breath and said something that only a coach 
would say, I love the smell of a locker room. But then the moment turned poignant. He looked at his assistant coach right after he said that. Right after he said, I love the smell of a locker room. And then he stood with his unmistakably bursting enthusiasm. It smells like potential. Well, in the name of Jesus, I look at us sitting here this morning and I see potential. I see God at work. In Christ, we call that hope. Some of you have hard countenances sometimes. And sometimes you say mean things. I know I have a hard countenance sometimes. Okay, most of the time. Especially over these rough months. Which is why we're in Ecclesiastes right now. And it's why we started this little exploration with 8.1. Wisdom makes one's face shine and the hardness of one's countenance is changed. In life in the Lord, your hard face can shine with wisdom. This is the work of Christ in us. This is part of the new creation. And I think we can say yes to it today. And I'm pretty sure that the one speaking from the throne of heaven at the end of the story is none other than Jesus. And this is the way it goes. This is Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them and they will be His peoples. And God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. But for now, for now, as the new creation is beginning to unfold right before our eyes, for we live here now in our days under the sun. Ecclesiastes 8.15 So I commend enjoyment. For there is nothing better for people under the sun than to eat and drink and enjoy themselves. For this will go with them in their toil through the days of life that God gives them under the sun. God has given us this day under the sun. Go enjoy it. Where is God in all this? 
I'm glad you asked. Where is God in all of this? Well, I'll tell you. God is in the walk with the little girl eating the popsicle. God is there when we sing happy birthday to one another. And God is here as we walk into the room, look at each other, especially today, and we see that we see nothing but potential. Those of us who follow Jesus call that hope. Amen.